Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Dustoff, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Hey everybody, welcome to The Score. This is Chelsea Schaefer. First, before we get into this great episode with Ren Richard, I wanted you all to do some housekeeping. If you've been just kind of seeing our Facebook posts about The Score and then clicking listen and just kind of catching up with us that way, I want you all to do me a favor. Whichever platform you're listening to this on, you can go and subscribe to our podcast. That way, you do not miss a single episode. If you subscribe to a podcast, you'll get a notification every time a new one comes out. And when we do bonus episodes, you won't miss them. I can look through all of our statistics, and it looks like sometimes you guys are missing those bonus episodes, missing short scores, and I don't want that to happen. If you subscribe, every time we release something, it'll go straight to your phone. You'll get a notification, and you will be in the know when it comes to the sport of team roping. So if you're on Apple, leave us a review and click subscribe wherever you're at. um, Whatever you're listening to this on, you should be able to subscribe on these platforms. So don't forget... All right, everybody. This week, we've got Ren Richard, a million-dollar cowboy from Roosevelt, Utah, who's an all-around hand. Last year, he qualified for his first Wrangler National Finals rodeo in the heading with Quinn Kessler, and then in the tie-down roping. Richard, who was the Resistall Rookie of the Year on the heel side in 2008, grew up in Utah playing sports and team roping. His focus has been on the all-around since an early age, and in 2018, he came oh so close to a gold buckle, thanks to strong performances in the average in both the heading and the tie-down roping at the finals. On this week's episode of The Score, he's going to talk about that finals and his motivation going forward. Man, I'm a big Trevor Brazil, Tough Cooper fan, of course, but I loved seeing Ren's name in the race this last year. It was so much fun to watch, and I know I was rooting for Ren to keep things interesting and stay in the mix, so I'm really glad we got to talk about that experience on this episode. Also, Ren's great horses have been such a huge part of his success, Um, and he's got some fancy ones. He's had some really flashy ones over the years, and he tells us how he likes them to ride around and how he keeps them healthy. If you remember during the NFR, we did a story on his Canadian-rooted buckskin horse, Festus, and Richard's going to talk about that horse's evolution and what else is going to be in his rig come this summer. And that's when he's going to kick off his partnership with Florida's Clint Summers. Now, we recorded this episode at the Cinch-Timed Event Championships, so I loved getting to talk to him a little bit about that, too. Listen to it, enjoy, leave us a review, and thank you all so much. I will talk at you next week. Welcome to the score. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for being on it. (laughs) Well, how are you today, Ren? Good. And yourself? A little sore. A little sore? A little sore. Because we're at the timed event now. I don't know when this episode's going to necessarily launch, but we're at the timed event, and how are you sitting on after two rounds? Not very good. I've uh, had to double jump my first bulldog and steer. I think I was 40 on him, and then yesterday I took a 60 in the bulldog. Yeah. So... But the steers are, uh, they're strong. 
stronger this year than I've ever seen them probably in, at all events. So I think if I could just be solid from here on out, I'd still have a chance to win some good money. So that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah. Well, how's your year going with Quinn? Quinn and I, it's been kind of slow in the team roping. I, I don't know. It's We haven't roped bad, but the winter is just weird. I don't know. We haven't roped good at the right places, I guess. But we made it back at Houston, placed in all three rounds there. So, I mean, if you do good there, you gotta, you're going to have a great winter. So hopefully we can go have some luck. We made the Dodge Finals, so we've got three good rodeos left. Gotcha. Now, we, we kind of just started off right in the middle of this year, but I want you to tell me a little bit more about where you grew up and, and where you're from. I grew up in a small town called Roosevelt, Utah. I'm not even sure what the population is now, but it was around 5,000 growing up. Uh, really, we, we team roped growing up, but didn't ever really, didn't know anything about roping calves or bulldogging. Uh, I was always big into football, uh, and so the only thing we knew is you'll blow a knee out bulldogging, so I never did it. Or And I started roping calves when I was about a freshman in high school, so I guess I was a little bit behind as far as calf roping goes, but I've really worked at it here in the last 10 years. and just finally now starting to get horses where they're lined up and I'm I've learned how to win you know better than before and I don't know it's just things are lined up now to where I feel like I know where to ride certain horses I know the rodeos I want to go and enter and I'm gonna rodeo here for the next five six years and see how it goes Okay, wait, everybody. So, I got to give you a scenario. We are sitting, relaxing, watching the everybody warm up at the timed event while we were recording the beginning of this episode. And then suddenly, everybody's voices started booming over the loudspeakers because Bob Feist and Justin McKee walked up and started kind of giving some sponsor messaging during the timed event or during the break at the timed event. So, we snuck upstairs. We sat into an office at the Lazy E. Thanks, Lazy E staff, for letting us use an office. So, now the sound quality gets a lot better so sorry about the change of audio guys we doing our best to make everything very real and authentic enjoy the rest of the interview so football though was what part of your life was football a big part of your life for a while right yeah um i mean i started in little league when i was i think the first year i played tackle football was fourth grade and then i mean really started working at football at sixth grade like mm-hmm. my dad he's from the south and where from louisiana mm-hmm. and uh he grew up with a football in his hands since he was a little kid and was i mean pretty much he's based his life off of football life like he's real intense he's always coaching you know that's just so since i was little that's he's been my dad for sure but he's he's our coach you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so just learned a lot how to compete and uh I think that's what part of learning how to win in the rodeo world is it's so different mentally you know what I mean you can't just 
bear down and go tackle somebody or yeah. you know what I mean it's the mindset of rodeo is so calm and cool that it took me a long time to I was always just trying too hard you mm-hmm. know and I mean I feel like I've always had great work ethic I've really put a lot of time into it and that was hard for me because I seen the guys that were winning and you know and I'm like man I, I feel like I'm as good as them and I know I'm out working them why aren't I winning and it just I guess it just come with experience, you know, but like I said, as soon as I just learned how to calm down and win when I needed to win on the right steers and calves, it's, you know, just the last couple of years, it's been a lot better, so. So what did you do to change your outlook on things? I mean, I don't think it, nothing with my practices, it was just, I mean, knowing when to back off and when to press and, uh, just like having a few breaks here and there to get a guy's confidence you know like just making the nfr last year it helped me a lot because it was always in the back of my mind like man am i am i good enough Mm -hmm. like i think i'm good enough but maybe i'm not and to finally make it into events and then to go out there and i mean really i had a mediocre finals in my mind and i won 140,000. so i won second than average and i feel like there was four or five runs where I should have won first, second, or third and didn't. So it was a big deal for me to be like, all right, I need to sharpen up here and there and change a few things, and I'm right there. Yeah. Now, the 10th round of the finals this year. How, um, talk about that steer and that. Uh Well, uh, I kind of pondered on it all day on what I needed to do, Mm -hmm. and I know it's a, it's one of them games that's hard to have a game plan before. I mean, you have to react, and that's kind of what it is. But I knew that for me to have a chance to win the all-around and for to beat Trevor Brazil, I mean, I and I'm not being that arrogant. I just, how many times are you going to have a chance to beat Trevor in the all-around? And instead of backing off and not backing off, but instead of just going and catching like I knew I needed to do to win another 30000 in the team roping, I went at that steer to try to win first or second in the round and the steer that we had was strong uh they'd missed him twice or yeah because that was the fourth run on those steers they'd missed him twice and the other run they aaron and trey run him and run him they were like seven on him like he was strong but i got a good start and i took a good shot just split the horns but i mean heck i wouldn't change a thing you know i i i don't know where what it would have done if I would have won the round, but at the time I was only forty or fifty thousand back, and I was winning second in the average in the calf roping and third in the average in the team roping. So it could have went either way. If they don't win nothing and I place in both rounds, I win the all around. So that's kind of how I went about that last steer. Now we're at the time event. We're talking about your chance to win the all around. How important is the all around? over the individual events to you? Like, where do you rate, rate that? Well, I'm, I've am i always been a big all-around guy. Like, I mean, Trevor's my hero in the rodeo world. He's just, to be that good at that many events, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. That guy's, he's amazing. And, and for me to go to the NFR this year and see what it's all about, like, it's not just go out there and have fun and you made the NFR, like, it's it's a grind you know I mean fifth round I was like 
can we just be done? Like, I'm wore out. My horses are getting sore. Like, it's it's work. And for him to do it as long as he's done it and be that successful, man, he's he's amazing. Is tripping in your future? Yeah, I bought a horse you did. this winter, and he's just a old campaigner. I I knew if I didn't buy one that I was just going to keep putting it off. And, yeah, I'm going to practice, and then it's just so I bit the bit, bought a horse. <laughs> so now at least it'll give me some reason to practice throughout the year. It's just, I mean, I rope the horns every day, but it's the angles, you know what I mean? The angles are different in tripping, and I just, I think I just need to do it. So I'm excited about that. Talk about your switch from healing to heading. I'm sure we've talked about this a lot, but wh- why did you make the switch, and, and yeah, what, what went into that decision? Um, in my mind, and I don't want this to sound arrogant when I say this, but I felt like I was, I felt like I could make the NFR healing, but I didn't feel like I was getting that tier of guys that were the top headers. Um, and I had good partners. I'm not saying I didn't, but uh, I was young when I first started, and I had good partners right off the bat and got close and didn't. And that was kind of hard on me just because I was young, and, I mean, I didn't really know anything about the rodeo world, so the whole traveling and all that just kind of had me beat down. And then we got to a point to where every header I roped with was riding our head horses that and my brother at the time had kind of quit roping and heck I would practice on the head horses keep them sharp and then they would ride them at the rodeos and I knew that if you head good you can get good healers you know if you heal good and you don't have a good header you're kind of at the mercy of them and uh, I just thought if I put the time and got the horses that I could do it so I gambled and tried it and I think this is my fourth year heading so I healed for about five years and now this will be my fourth year heading I made the NFR my third year so if I can just keep head horses and I mean I'm still learning a lot about heading uh, so hopefully it'll be good guys this episode is brought to you by U.S. rider Caitlin How does my husband handle it when I run a truck out of fuel? Not very well. Not very well. And when I do run our truck out of fuel on I-25, I remind him, "Hen, it's no big deal. We have U.S. Rider. And he's not nearly as impressed with that as I am. But either way, U.S. Rider does come and save us on the side of the highway. My husband has run out of fuel. You've heard that commercial before. He's done it. Uh, but, But there are a lot of wives out there who may run out of fuel may blow a tire. There's a lot of guys out there that may run out of fuel, may blow a tire, may have any level of accident that you might think of. Um, And U.S. Rider is so handy. It is the roadside assistance program of the equine industry. They have been our sponsor since the beginning of the SCORE podcast, and we so appreciate them. And because of that, you've got a new promo code for 2019 so that you can get two free months of U.S. Rider service if you mention promo code TRJ. One nine. That is promo code TRJ19. All you've got to do is go to usrider.org. When you sign up, you log in um, to join or renew, you enter in TRJ19. That's your promo code. You get two free months of towing, repairs, 
battery assistance, anything you need, flat tires, lockout service, fuel, oil, or water delivery, and you get enrolled in the Winter Circle Advantage benefits and discounts with that code TRJ19. You get two free months of it. USRider.org. Horses are obviously so important, but you sold such a good one. What went into the decision to sell in? Is it Suntan? Is that what his name yeah. was? Um, it was one of those deals where it was life-changing to me mm-hmm. for the money. And uh, I sold that horse, and I bought a horse that actually probably fits me better. So it was. I think it was a win-win for both parties. Ooh, that's uh, good. They they love that horse, as far as I know, and she's. Uh, it's actually Clay Smith's sister-in-law that rides him a lot, and I don't know how much she's won on him, but it seems like every time I pull up Instagram or she posts something, she's winning something on him. So I think he's paying himself off. And your buckskin horse, talk about him. Is he going to be your main horse for the year again? Yeah. Uh, he's kind of a smaller horse. His, I kind of thought his best setups were smaller to medium setups, but the more I've rode him, he's almost, he's almost better on the mediums to long because he's real quick, and you can run him out there just a little further and be faster because he faces so good and he's so strong on the horn. Um, it's been... Uh, well, Suntan, he was kind of weak on the horn for me. Well, this horse is complete opposite. He's strong on the horn. So I've been trying to kind of break a bad habit of mine of wanting to help my horse all the time pulling. I kind of got this horse ducking a little bit and being too strong. So now I'm back to where I'm trying to soften more. And uh, just this last two, three weeks, it's starting to be good. I've got to took him to Tucson and... He was just pretty tight right there. I mean, I practiced on him for a month before the finals trying to get ready. And then I rode him through the sixth round. And by the sixth round, I mean, I thought I was going to cut my hand off if I yeah. ride him anymore. He it was, seemed like everybody thought you should oh, make a horse change he was and you did. dropping. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. which, and it wasn't really, I think it was probably more my fault than sure. his. I just, mm-hmm. when I did miss it one time, I would, you know, you go to scrambling trying to get the horn and you just duck him back even more. So. Mm-hmm. I think the horse was just doing what he thought he was supposed to do, so it took me a little while to get that back out of him and listening. So, do you guys keep a lot of young horses around, or? Yeah, we, <clears throat> my dad and grandpa, they've been in the racehorse business off and on for the last ten, fifteen years. So, since I've started heading, I've tried to kind of keep one or two around, but I. I'm at the point right now in my career to where I just I want to do everything I can do to put me in a spot to be successful. So I've tried to kind of slow down on the young horse deal and uh, really just focus on trying to find horses that I can rodeo on right now and put my time into that. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, so what do you like in a head horse? What do you look for in one? <sighs> the first thing I look at, honestly, is the confirmation of the horse. Um, I'm a big believer on if they're made to do it, they're probably going to do it. Or they have a lot better chance of doing it. You don't see many horses out there that aren't built right that do it. So that's the first thing I look at. Uh, second thing, scoring. They need to stand there and score. Or they need to let you get a start, wherever, whatever they do. If they stand there when the gate's open or they want to move their feet, as long as they'll let you get that roll, that's the second thing I look at. And then just... 
I guess being able to keep the steers head. I think nowadays we rope small steers a lot and if they're not able to soften there in the corner and keep the steers head all the time, it's a battle. So that's one thing I look at in horse. What would you say your horsemanship weaknesses are? Do you think about that often or yeah, do you, are you working on sure. stuff? Um, honestly, I think I'm so picky about my horses being correct that I fine-tune them too much. And I think I need to be a little bit more just... I mean, you see, I'm not low-blowing any headers out there, <laughs> but there's not a ton of guys that can just get on a cow horse and spin them around and make them drag their butt. And I've worked... I've put a ton of time into that emphasis of the game. And for a head horse, I've, I think I'd probably get them a little too broke. Like, they need to be a little bit numb to where when you pull on them in certain places, yeah. they're not just listening and so that's one thing I've been working on is not being so picky about one loping around or pulling on you here and there so do your head, ho do your head horses lope circles to the right and the right lead and stuff I mean usually I've <laughs> yeah. done that but lately I've just I've tried to dumb it completely down <laughs> and make it to where they're just they're a head horse they're head horses you know yeah. what I mean and it's people that don't really understand, think, ah, oh, they need to be broke and this and that. But there's so many. I mean, look at the top five head horses ever. I'll promise you, you couldn't run them up there and pull on the reins and make them slide. Mm -hmm. So that's been a big transition deal for me because I healed and you want your sure. heel horse to be soft and supple. And so I've tried in the horsemanship part and the head horse deal to just not pick at them. Make sure they know, slow their feet down when you pick up, and that's about it. Get off your leg when you when you push on them. Do you like to score on a, like, do you like them in the bridle when you yep. score? I want contact with them before the gates bang. I mean, I try not to pick up. This mm -hmm. horse I have now, he's, I don't think he ever was scored where you're pulling on him before. So I've kind of had to play around with that on bits and getting where. I'm just finally now, I've had him for not quite a year but he's now getting to where I can take a hold of him before the gates bang and he'll get on the end of the bridle reins so I would I mean I want to have one in my hand when I drop there's no picking up you see your start and you go hard you've got Sestera on your shirt are you a horse health supplement kind of guy yeah um we don't feed a ton of grain just because we raise our own alfalfa and it's strong mm -hmm. so as long as I'm feeding our own hay, our horses are they're plenty fresh and feeling good. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big believer on ulcer protection, mm -hmm. especially in head horses. Uh, so it's either Zestera or I think if a horse has chronic ulcers, you know, I'll go to the gastro guard and mm -hmm. try to fix it. And then the Zestera has been really good. Like even our race horses, we've We've kept them on the Zestera, and it's it's been really good for our program. Have you had ulcers in the past on head horses that you've had to deal with? Um, yes. Most of the running horses that I've had, they're chronic ulcer. Um, I mean, I had to keep them on something 24-7. Yeah. It's kind of expensive to do it that way, but in the long run, if, if they're helping you win more, it's really not. You just you got to look at it the right way. Um, my good calf horse that I rode last year I just I wasn't really thinking because he's 
he doesn't look like he would ever have ulcers. He's always deep in the flanks, uh, eats good all the time, but he was young, and I put a lot of pressure on him trying to rodeo, and I think I let him get ulcers about Nampa time, so 24th, right there the week after the 24th of July, and man, it was almost ruined him. <coughs> I had to uh, send him home. I sent him home for three weeks, gastroguard, uh, brought him back out, did good there for two weeks, killed him on him, and then it just kind of slowly come back, mm-hmm. uh, got to fight in the trailer, and just things when they're talking to you, you should be listening, and you're not, totally. you know, yeah. and I just, it was just a dumb move on my part, um, big learning lesson for me, them young horses that you're putting a lot of pressure on not i mean just hauling them yeah. is hard on them you how, know? Old is, how old is he he was seven seven mm-hmm. so and i mean his best deal would have been at the nfr and i didn't get to ride him there i just turned him out you know because he was just i didn't know whether he was hurting still his belly or if he was just mentally wore out but i didn't want to take a chance to ruin him so we treated him with the gastro guard i turned him out all winter and now we're just barely bringing him back in and getting him in shape just think about how many problem horses like probably just have ulcers or yeah. it's the problems just started as ulcers that's crazy to think about yeah there's so many people out there that need to um listen to their horse when they're telling them like that i mean you go to the local jackpot and i'll promise you 75 percent of those horses are ulceric horses you know you can look at them and, and tell but people just don't really understand it and I think the game's changing now. There's, I mean, podcasts and, you know, social media and all these learning clinics to where these young kids have such an opportunity to learn more about the game, not just the roping part. But, I mean, there's so much more that goes into it. That's To me, that's why Trevor has been yeah. so successful. I mean, his horses look good all the time, you know. They feel good. They're going to they're gonna work good. It's just like a human, you know. If mm-hmm. you don't feel good, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, ever had an ulcer, but I, I'm pretty sure I had one there before the finals just being stressed out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I thought, if yeah. this is what my horse feels like, I totally understand, you know. And I had to get on the Meprazole and try to fix it. And so it's it's a real thing. Yeah, I get to feeling like maybe some stuff doesn't work and then my neck gets out of whack and I need to go to the chiropractor and get it fixed. And I'm like, yeah, I should definitely take my horses to the chiropractor. Like that sort of stuff is so all of that, all of those therapies seem to matter. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ren. I guess I better let you go back to winning around here (laughs) at the time. See if I can not get run over in the bulldog. (laughs) Try really hard. (laughs) Thanks, Ren. Okay, everybody, thank you again for listening this week. Looking forward to a big, long summer, like I said. Remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it because we are going to have so many bonus episodes with all the cool things that are happening this summer. We'll be at the BFI. We'll be at Cheyenne. We will be just about everywhere where cool things are happening in the sport of team roping. So I don't want you to miss an episode. I've got lots of fun, special stuff planned for you for this summer. So thank you all so much for listening. Thanks to everybody that's helped produce this episode and every episode of the Team Roping Journal. And we will talk to you next week.